Welcome to The Rock Bite, where we speak our truth, slay sacred cows, and sometimes agree to disagree. I'm Colin True, and joining me today, the Guinness Book of World Records just stripped him of his favorite camping spot in the Sierra. It's Justin Hausman. Oh, man. <laughs> what was I? What did I hold the record for? The coolest campsite? Uh, most destruction of a road to a campsite? <laughs> I read your, uh, I read your, like, your articles for hey, claiming d- deterioration of the elements. I didn't do that. <laughs> I've never driven all the way out on that road. We'll start today's show with a plug. Go to adventure-journal.com. Or is it only in the what is it only in the newsletter? It's only on the newsletter, guys. Subscribe. Uh, subscribe to the AJ's newsletter so you can get some Hausman in your life every week, guys, because uh, you would you would know all about Justin's favorite uh, lake in the Sierra. If you want to hear about if you want to hear some uh, some um, principled gatekeeping, uh, some literal gatekeeping, in fact. There you go. Well, we're going to talk some gatekeeping today. Uh, so, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. so on the show, we are going to catch up on what's been going on with each other uh, in our lives before going through some headlines to come out of the outdoor industry and community. But before we get to that, we have to talk to you about long weekend coffee, four varieties with four varieties of beans. I can't read. Long Weekend is your go-to coffee for all of your adventures, not just on the weekend. Head to longweekend.coffee right now. Shop around. Enter the code ROCK10 at checkout for 10% off of your first order. I had my secret handshake coffee this morning. It's my go-to drip coffee. Justin did not have secret handshake this morning, I don't believe. No, he did not. That is true. Okay, but he likes it. I know He that. does. So, he does. uh... Long weekend coffee, more weekend, please. But let's get into it, Justin. What have you been up to lately? Got a new bike. Did we talk? We talked about that. Got a new surfboard. You know, I'm excited to go surf next week. That's pretty much it. I've been in the house constantly, but uh, waves look fun next week, and uh, the juices are flowing. So that's it. So Quiet just, week. Uh, I'm really tired. Yeah, no, I've been uh, I've been mostly kind of housebound too. I've been working this week a lot on these gear trade gear trade blog adventures. Yeah, but they sent me a box full of stuff, and I had to kind of work it into uh, a bunch of local adventures to kind of create content for their blog. Mm-hmm. Um, so go check out Gear Trade's blog, everybody, uh, and you can read about that. And that was kind of fun. I, they sent me, I dude, they sent me a kilt. <laughs> did we talk about kilt guy? We talked. We did talk about you and me talked about kilt guy. My neighborhood uh, DHL driver who delivers packages in a kilt. That, I told you about that. Yeah, but I bet he's. Is, I bet he is. He like is he like short and like stocky? Yeah, kind of like, exactly like strong man. Yes, okay. yes. I guarantee you. As soon That's, as his shift is over, he's just like playing in some band called like Demon Scourge somewhere. Just pounding beer. Yes, it's like just beer dripping through his so beard, awesome. kind of thing. Such a good looking dude. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like big old calves. I'm not even tall. The thing that we don't talk yeah. about. If you don't have bowling ball calves, forget about it. Kilt. Forget about it. I like I have okay calves. I just feel like I'm just too skinny to pull it off. I look like a freaking like toothpick in a skirt. It's just not all right. Well, you, you, you know? do live in uh, like plastic surgery town, so you could get some calf implants. You could probably get them at like I a drive through in this greater San Diego area. I, I also would not want to. This is the one area of the country where you can kind of wear a kilt around, and everyone would be like, "Yeah, it's all are right. you serious? No one really cares what, what you do no, here." Yeah, I no feel like way. people are pretty. I think people are pretty relaxed here about how you decided to present yourself in public. No, you don't think so? I got beat up for not having a <laughs> flat brim hat and a soul patch when I lived in San Diego. So for this gear trade thing, I did a night hike because one of the things they sent me was a light-up collar, like dog collar. And I say in the blog, it's coming out next week, but like, you know, it was awesome. It was because there's a little hill by my house, you know, hiked up to the summit. It was great. There's actually some dudes having a campfire up there who probably shouldn't be having campfires at the top of this terrifying. mountain, but whatever. In the fall? You know, That's awful. Beautiful night. Yeah. But, you know whatever they were but it was a beautiful night it was cool i wore the kilt you know so i could hike in the kilt 
Which Wait, uh, just was right, hold on, hold on. Cool. You, you were wearing a kilt and you had a light up collar on. On the dog. You, okay. Yeah. No, I. <laughs> okay. Actually, now I'm kind of bummed I didn't wear it. Yeah, I that's been you made it seem as though you were wearing the light up collar, and I was confused. That was pretty sweet. And then really, no, that's the other night of the week that I do that stuff. (laughs) Well, that's what I I wouldn't really want to. I mean, (laughs) hey, go for it. But like, encounter if I'm out at night and some dude rolls up in a kilt and a light up dog collar, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. You either run or you murder him. That's all. Those are your only two choices, I think. You know, it's, kind of like, it's either me or you. I'm just testing out some gear. <laughs> the collar was a mistake. <laughs> just oh, getting stabbed. <laughs> well, so first story we're going to talk about today. We had a couple of uh, records that get, got uh, were creating some controversy this week. The biggest one, Reinhold Messner, famed alpinist reinhold messner was stripped of two of his guinness world records and uh, i got this article for gear chunky like basically says the guinness book of world records has officially stripped messner of the title of being the first person to summit every eight thousand meter peak without supplemental oxygen and the reason why is there's a german historian i'm going to butcher his name you speak german so you can correct me it's uh eberhard yergalski pretty close is that about right Mm -hmm. pretty close he runs the website 8000ers.com and concluded that Messner never reached the true summit of Annapurna and the Guinness Book and I got a guy, I don't know if he lobbied. Yeah, he he convinced the Guinness Book of World Records to strip Messner of two titles, the first person to climb all 14 peaks over 8000 meters and also the first to do so without oxygen. Officially the record now belongs to American climber Ed Vesters who finished that initiative in 2005 and yeah, I learned about this from Ed's post on LinkedIn. Uh, I don't know, man. I just kind of hate seeing this happen to a, sort of a legend. Of, he's kind of like a human legend, not just an adventure legend. I mean, it's Reinhold Messner. I kind of feel like there's a chance of, of, of any of sort of like our heroes in the outdoor space that people may have heard of beyond, you know, if you don't even participate in these things, you, probably, you may have heard of Reinhold Messner. I don't know. What's, what was your impression when you heard about this? It's tough because I don't climb mountains. Um, and I don't know the difference. Like, so his response, like I, Messner's response is, kind of call bullshit on your Galski and say like you don't understand like he's not a climber that guy's not a climber and to be like you don't understand like it's kind of subjective where the peak is which like uh, intuitively that does that's like well it should you'd think it would be obvious but it isn't like I don't really think it is and like yeah v, you know I don't know how much longer after Vister's climbed it um than Mesner did but maybe he was armed with more information like I'm I'm not sure um you mean um, Vister's after Mesner? Yeah, like maybe he was, you know, maybe he knew better than like where the actual some like uh, like was Vister's calling bullshit on on Mesner for decades? I don't think he was. You know, like no, he no, no, of, no. He he thinks he disagreed with the decision. Oh, he did. See, that's what I'm, like this is yeah. th- like it's not like people were out there saying I don't think Mesner made it. So I don't I don't really know what to like. It's hard to know if if, if there is in fact a higher point on the mountain that he could have gone to, but didn't because he was like, who cares? Then I think it's stupid. Like who, why, why bother? But if it, if, if there's like a small step and he didn't feel like climbing it and maybe it was like eight feet higher than he was, then yeah, I don't know. Maybe it does kind of yeah. make sense, but also like we, so we covered this in adventure journal a couple years ago. Um, and, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, the article wasn't focusing on Mesner. I don't think Mesner was under any kind of scrutiny then, well, sort of. I th- basically, there's a presumably Yergalski is involved in the same organization, but there's a, a 
someone who's interested in mountaineering who started to look really closely into, I, I, I'm guessing photos or maybe accounts or, you know, again, I'm not really sure how they uh, are able to document exactly where they are when they say that they're on the summit. I, I'm not sure how that works. Mm-hmm. But this guy basically made the claim that like no, probably it's possible that no one's climbed the, to the peak of any of these mountains because it's, it's kind of hard to tell when you're on them where the actual right. highest point is. Does that matter? I, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I find it hard to believe that somebody like Mesner would have, he obviously thought he was at the summit, right? Like there's no way a guy like that sure. is like, I don't know if I can make it to whatever that is. I'm not even going to bother. Fuck it. Like he wouldn't have done that. So like, it seems kind of, it seems kind of arbitrary to me really. Um, but I can see why you, I, I can see why an alpinist would care, right? Like, like there's something very deeply pure about this sort of thing. And you're either on the top or you're not. So I can definitely, I mean, there's, I feel like we, we've probably all had a situation to where we're scrambling up something or we're hiking somewhere and we're like, I'm going to, I'm going to see this trail out or I'm going to, I'm going to get into this little valley or whatever it is. And you decide not to, for some reason, right? Like the w- weather moves in, right. you're tired, your ankle hurts. And it's like crushing and you, I mean, it's like a, it's like a tiny version of like someone who paid a million dollars to go climb Everest and they have to turn around before they get the, like, we've all been in that place where you're like, you really don't want to turn around, but you feel like you should. I feel like that kind of thing nags at you and eats at you. And there's no way Mesner has been living like that for like decades, knowing that he didn't quite make it to the top of Annapurna. Like he would have gone back. Like, so I don't, I, I think it's an arbitrary thing in this situation. I don't think it makes much sense, but I do think that going forward, it probably, there probably is something to be said for having some sort of established, I don't know how you would do it with some, you know, some kind of really high tech GPS system. That's like, this is officially the absolute tip top peak. Yeah. I mean, what's it like, how many people climb Everest and like, they're like six inches below somebody else. Does that matter? Like who cares? I mean, I imagine this point, there's so many people go up there, they take turns going up. But I mean, if I, if I got to that point, I wouldn't say like, well, I didn't quite make it. Yeah. I'd be like, no, I was there. That's the other part is it's like, if, if say, say the, I don't know how tall Annapurna is, say it's 28,675 feet, right? If you go 28,672, did you not summit it? Like, I don't, I don't know. These are interesting. I think these are interesting questions. I think it's kind of stupid, but, um, I do think it's an interesting question. Well, so in the U.S., like we have all the USGS, you know, kind of markers usually on the top of any sort of, you know, peak of at least notable peaks, right? So if you go up Whitney and you don't put your foot on that marker, did you go to the summit of Whitney? I guess to put the turn, return, turn the question around. I mean, I would say yes, but I would say yes too. But I don't like there's, there's. I think it's, I think it's splitting hairs. I think you know. So Messner finished his his uh, initiative in 1986. Uh, Vesters did his and finished in 2005. Well, I mean, that's, so, that's you know, a big gap. Like it's entirely possible. He has some other information. I, I am very curious to know how it is that Vesters, like what did Vesters do different? Like, what, did he take a picture in a different place? Did he have a GPS location in a different place? Like, how do we know he was not in the same place that Mesner was? Like, do they talk about it? Do right. they describe it to each other? Well, here's what my peak looked like. Oh, that wasn't where I was. Like, I don't know. I'm sure all that you could. I'm sure we could find all that. I'm sure you know Eberhard Yergalski probably has some of that data. Otherwise, why are you? I just kind of curious why you're picking this fight. I mean, Vester's statement, which I thought was interesting, was you know he wrote on LinkedIn. Lots of controversy in the media currently regarding who climbed all of the 14 8,000 meter peaks first. Discrepancies over arriving at the actual and highest points in these peaks, which can be like splitting hairs. Some of the lower summits are obvious. 
And some people choose these points to stop at. Some of the summit ridges are like long dragonbacks and have multiple points, all within several feet in altitude of each other. And I think Annapurna is one of those that's kind of like that. Yeah. And before accurate GPS surveys, it was a matter of judgment to decide what was the highest point. And he goes on to say, I truly believe that Reinhold Messner was the first person to climb all 14 8,000ers and should still be recognized as having done so. And I think that kind of goes to your point, right? It's like, it was the 70s and the 80s. They didn't have any kind of accurate information. At some point, they probably had to go, well, I yeah, I think I think we're here, you right. know? Yeah, and they shouldn't be faulted <laughs> I, for that. I mean, it doesn't, I don't, there's, there's, there's these, um, <laughs> There's like a run that people like to do in San Francisco where you run along the waterfront and you get as far as you can mm-hmm. to where the uh, the land kind of peters out at a, at an old military base called Fort Point. And um, yeah. there's at the very end of the pavement before you just like would run into the sea, there's a fence and there's like a little plaque with these two handprints. And I forget what it's called, like PD's prints or something like that. And every asshole tech worker that runs this trail, this road every day has to slap them. You got to slap them. Sure. And like, it drives me nuts. Like I'll be sitting there looking at the waves and it's like, just turn, why? Do you, why? They'll like wait in line. It's like, dude, just turn around like a I foot would, in front of it. I would totally slap. shit? I would totally slap it. Well, that's the, that's what, that's what your that Whitney guy. thing made me think of. It's like, well, you really got to, you really got to put your toe on the, on the USGS like disc. No, like I, who cares? That's an interesting point. That's, what's the difference? Cause I do see a difference. If I didn't put my toe on the disc, I would, uh, I'd still say I summited Whitney. Although I guess I, if I saw you turn around without slapping the hands, I might joke about it, but I wouldn't really care. Even if I felt like I I needed to slap the hands, I think that's kind of like ultimately, what's the point here? What's the intention? Right. I mean, why are we why are we punishing Mesner, you know, thirty years after the fact for something that was absolutely incredible for the time at which it happened? Well, there's also people that are just desperate to be like, oh, I, I found a little factoid, like here's here here's something that maybe no one's thought of, and like I'm just gonna like build my entire life around. <laughs> You know, well, that's my point. Hey, Yergowski, how about you just save that as your bar as your story? Actually, you know that Mesner <laughs> didn't yeah. actually summit. Like, you I know, why do you got to go? I cannot have Guinness imagine involved? like contacting. Hey, 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 Guinness, guess what? Like, <laughs> they don't. That's the other thing with Guinness. Guinness doesn't know shit. Like, like the watching the Guinness Book of World Records crown. You think this is funny? Try to crown biggest wave ever surfed. <laughs> Like, at least oh, the mountain's not moving. Yeah. I mean, it's fucking insane. And it's like, nobody at Guinness knows. They, like, appoint a board of surfers. So, presumably, well, I guess that could be the case in this situation, too. Maybe there's, like, a bunch of mountaineers that are like, all right, here's what we think. You know, I don't know. But you just made the probably the most, I think, salient point here is that, like, he picked up the phone and said, strip him of the titles. And maybe he didn't sound like that nefarious when he did it, but he still— Oh, I if bet I, he did. If, it's like me calling, hey, you know, Sierra 100, Hausman didn't touch— the disc on top of Whitney, his, his list doesn't count. Like, what are we doing here? You know? And I think that plays into the next story that I thought was interesting. Uh, Colorado's Erin Tun, who tried to become the first woman to set the fastest known time for hitting all for the fastest ascents of all the 14ers in Colorado. She hit 57. Oh, however, there's there are 14ers in Colorado. I hadn't, I hadn't heard that. I wasn't aware that there were some 14ers in Colorado. Huh? I will happily shit on Colorado and their their love for high altitude any day of the week with you. But I mean, but it's funny, but in terms of this story, you know, she went out, she tried to do it. She did it in 14 days and 10 hours. It was the fastest known time. But there's everyone's picking nits because she did not hit 58. And there's a peak called uh, Culabra, Culabra, Culabra Peak, which is on private lands. But the private landowners do have scenarios in which you can climb the mountain. And everyone's freaking out because she said she set the FKT for this. 
And it wasn't forthcoming that she didn't do this one other peak. And her rationale was like, well, I wanted, this is the way I'm doing it. I wanted to do these 57 is what she said after the fact. And it's just another one of these, again, like why, why we, do we care? Like this is, isn't this more of a personal thing anyway? I mean, I guess if she's, if she's going to create problems for herself in terms of getting sponsorships or something, then fine. But it just sort of like, why is this in, I'm reading this on the Colorado sun. I saw it on, you know, a bunch of other you know, outdoor publications. Hmm. It's just, are we, are, to your point, is this, are we out of things to talk about that we have to like talk about this? Well, I don't, so, I, I, I don't know. If she, is, does she, so she lied though. I mean, she said she did all 58 and didn't, right? If you set the FKT for a known traverse that requires said, you to do 58 peaks and you only do 57, you lied about it. So she heard the quote is, I intentionally decided to admit uh, Culabra, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Culabra Peak, as it is on private property. Tun said two days after she finished, as the first woman to go after a self-supported effort, I wanted to set the precedent. Although she wasn't initially transparent about skipping that remote, privately owned peak in Southern Colorado, Tun proudly declared in an Instagram post on July 30th, 30th that she had set a new women's self-supported 14er speed record, which is essentially true, yeah, cause, given that no one else had attempted such a solo undertaking. Well, all right, sure. Uh, here's the, the... Okay, I mean... Uh, yeah, th- okay, yeah, all right, you're the first to do these particular 12. I don't know. I mean, like, if there's... So there's 58... Four, there's not... Are there really that many 14ers in Colorado? Yeah. All right, so there's 58 yeah, 14ers. Don't, don't encourage them, man. Don't well, encourage them. But, uh, all right, so... so <laughs> All right. Let me think that. So why couldn't you just be, I mean, theoretically you could set the FKT on any version of that, right? Like I did, I'm the first, I'm the fastest to do this one to this one, to this one, to this one, and then back to this one. And then over to this, no one's ever done. I mean, I, I, I I will tell you right now, I'm going to probably just shred my outdoor credibility. I think FKTs are the dumbest fucking thing in the world. I do not remotely care at all. I think it's actually stupid, really. I mean, to be honest with you, like if you want to do like ultra trail running, or whatever, that's that's cool. I, I mean, great. And for all, it's it's stupid that other people care. I, do whatever you want. Like if you that's that's what's stupid. if you think I agree it's really you. fun to run as fast as you possibly can down the down the JMT, cool. I mean, that's great. I don't care. But to like the fact that it's covered, like who gives a shit? Like it's also to me antithetical to the point. Like I like, but that's all. I mean, if you're doing that stuff, you're such like a type a personality that you and I are not going to get along anyway. So like, that's not my world, but I like, if you're going to hike the John Muir trail, why would you want to do it as fast as possible? Why? What's the re like, what, why you're, it's the most, you only have 10 days, beautiful place in the world. The whole point of this shit is to like isolate yourself and get enjoy and enjoy it, yeah. it. And like, why in God's name are you trying to rush through it? That it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I, I actually, well, I'm actually opposed to the idea of this sort of thing. I, I mean, like, I get like mountain biking or whatever, like getting like a, you know, a, a, a calm or something like that. Sure. You know, that's like a competitive sort of thing. And clearly there are competitive hikers or trail runners, I guess, because usually you're running if you're doing an FKT, even right. if it's the PCT. I just think it's totally absurd. Like the concept kind of, kind of rankles, as you could tell, it kind of ruffles my feathers a little <laughs> bit. I just, I don't get it. In defense of the, cause I mean, I, I agree with you about the caring part. I think like, look, if you're a trail runner and that's your thing and you derive the most enjoyment from going in the outdoors cause you run. Um, and then this is a way to sort of set a goal and it's not just, let's go do another supported race. You want to do something self-supported. You know, I'm supportive of you wanting to do that. And if you want to then have a website which, by the way, uh, Buzz Burrell, who's a kind of famous, also Colorado trail runner, started the FKT website, which has been acquired by Outside Inc. More <laughs> Outside Inc. properties out there. Anyway, just a little jab That'll there. do it. But, now uh, they're going to be profitable. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's kind that's of what the thing. A weird thing to acquire. <laughs> yeah. So, but if you if that's your jam and that's what you want to go do, I actually think it's more it's cooler to say I'm going to go try and do this really interesting FKT self supported than I'm just going to go run another hundred mile race. But to your point about uh, caring, I mean, this is kind of this. This is why I think the two stories are interesting. Even if she was misleading, even if she knew I should really mention this one that I didn't do, who cares? Right. Because guess what? She still probably set the FKT for the 57 that she did. And if let's say she didn't intend, maybe she was like, oh, I, sh- I should have said something. Then it's still just like now we can't even celebrate what she did because we're all hung up yeah, on the fact that she didn't point. do it the way yeah, we all think still, she, I mean, she should have done it. Still pretty cool, I guess, to do it that fast. I mean, even if you didn't do all of them. I mean, I, yeah. Right. I, I, I mean, it, listen, I agree with you. I, as a former runner, like I was lobbying, like, why don't we have grand fondos for running? Just like stop the competitive thing. Like, just if you like to run, like, let's just make it fun to run. You know, don't, let's stop being competitive. I'm with you. I'd rather, if I have the chance to do the JMT, I want to like, I, how many times am I going to have the chance to do that in my life or the PCT or whatever? I want to milk every ounce out of that. But if your thing is I'm going to go out and do this as fast as possible, well, then good for you. And that's why I think it's interesting on the back of the the, the Mesner piece it's like he wasn't up there trying to like, right. like, what do you expect him to say? I mean, his comment, if you read his Instagram post, was basically like, yeah, this is like, you know, I, none of this matters. <laughs> I just wanted to climb mountains. That's awesome. You know yeah, what I that's mean? that's great. Yeah. I, I just, I don't get why we have to, I understand some of the stuff as it pertains to like professional sports because there's billions of dollars at play and, you know, there's allegiances and whatever. It kind of makes sense for this stuff though. Like, hey, if you want to make it competitive, fine, but don't make us care about it being competitive kind of was my takeaway now like if you want to tell me that she leveraged you know things that she said she did that she didn't in order to gain like a, a lucrative sponsorship deal from like la sportiva or something like that and like then okay that's that's interesting yeah like that's agreed. not cool like don't do that agreed or like talk about the nature of like private you know like who you should like i mean i think it's insane that you can own a mountain peak you know so like there, there's but that that's also an old story but <laughs> You know, that's, that's more interesting to me. There's another story for the bar, you know, by the way, you know, those, uh, four teeters in Colorado. I own one. Yeah. You can't climb one of them. (laughs) Nobody's going to have the FKT fuckers. Like show me your list. Oh, you're missing one. Guess what? You're always going to miss that one. Such a weird thing. So the next story, which I definitely was curious your take on, uh, I saw this just yesterday. There's a company called whoop. Are you familiar with whoop? I've heard of whoop. So they have launched whoop coach, which is an advanced generative AI feature. And Justin, are you ready for this? It will fundamentally shift how individuals receive personalized health and fitness guidance. I don't doubt it. In a partnership, in a partnership with OpenAI, the lab behind ChatGPT, WhoopCoach leverages ChatGPT4 technology to deliver highly personalized coaching on demand. And they, the CEO says the company has broken new ground for the wearables space. Now, I, I wanted to include this because we did the bit about AI is this just like the official buzzword for everything now? Like, hey, I think we got so. AI in this. Like, what is chat? I mean, how does a large language or language learning model, whatever the fuck that stands for, have anything to do with like monitoring your health? <laughs> like, what is it? How does that work? Well, that's right. They say with Whoop Coach, we're now offering on-demand personalized health and fitness coaching. This is a first of its kind and will transform our members' relationship with their data. Did you know you had a relationship with your data? I, I would like to have more. I mean, I have an Apple fancy pants Apple watch. I don't do, I don't use it for jack shit. I look at my like heart rate sometimes. I am kind of curious about that sort of stuff. 
It I, says the AI tool uses Whoop proprietary algorithms, specially designed machine learning model, and the latest advancements in performance science and research at a user's unique biometric data to create a holistic understanding of their Whoop recovery, strain, sleep, health, and stress data. It can respond to member questions about a wide variety of health and wellness questions in over 50 languages. Remember what I just said about not, <laughs> just, not, not being able to talk to type A people? Like, this is yeah, who that's right? for. Like, I don't, but there are people that love that. That's like all they want to do. You know, it's like, well, but you just said you're kind of interested. Like, what, uh, I'm, I'm, what is it that piques your interest? Uh, why am I tired sometimes and not others? Like, why am I able, like, sometimes, you know, I've always been curious if I go on a ride, like, sometimes. I still haven't quite figured it out yet. There's times where I've eaten a bunch and I bonk. There's times that I don't eat and I bonk. There's times when I didn't sleep the night before and I'm just crushing it. Other times where I got nine hours of sleep and I can't get up the hill. Like I, I am kind of, I would like to know why, you know, but that's about it. I, I'm not like my watch can do all kinds of things. And all I ever look at is my heart rate. Cause I'm kind of, you know, that's it. Or like, did I burn calories today? So, so I, I, I participated in this world a lot. You know, I did a lot of racing and everything. And I, I always, you know, I wore a heart rate monitor for a while, but then it just got annoying to have it on. And I'm, I don't know if it's, I don't know how you sort of just accept the data. Like I'd be get a constant, like just looking at my watch, where's my heart rate now? Where's my heart right now? And it just kind of like, I became more obsessed with what the performance metrics were. This is, you know, 15 years ago at this point, than just sort of be out for your run or your bike ride or whatever it was. It's just too much. I, well, I don't need I, any more just, information either. It, like generally speaking, I don't care what it's about. Yeah. I don't need any more information, really. I mean, I'd be kind of curious about my heart rate at various times, but I, I mean, literally any form of information. I don't need to know anything else about anything ever again. <laughs> Let alone that. I, I, I don't know. Like Whoop, Whoop made some noise in the surf community a few years ago, and I truthfully don't really know why, other than I think they probably had some kind of waterproof wrist band thing that you could wear that told you some shit. Like I, I tested out some stuff in the surf world a while ago where you could put like sensors on your board and it would like, uh, um, you know, tell like you how GPS tracking kind yeah, of stuff. Like how fast you, like how you paddle, how far you paddle, how fast you paddle, how far you went on a wave. That's kind of interesting. It, that's it. That's exactly right. It was kind of interesting. Like I used it for a couple <laughs> sessions. It's like, okay. And then I never even thought about it ever again, you know? So like, I, I I don't know, but I, I, maybe this is for people that don't have kids, you know, like if I was 45 years old and didn't have kids, I'd be so goddamn bored right now. Like, I'd be like, well, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want for the most part. I've been, or at this point I would probably have traveled everywhere I wanted to go. So well, yeah. what's left, you know what? Maybe I'll turn myself into a super person and I would probably just dial in on like VO two max and like type two, you know, I don't even remember what that's supposed to mean. Type two energy expenditure recovery bullshit and get all ripped and be like, I can fucking FKT everything. Like that's probably what I would do, I guess. Cause what else are you going to do? That time is maybe what it's at. Cause, cause like, I don't know. I just felt like the, the amount of information is overwhelming and how you apply that information becomes overwhelming. Now, if you have coaches, like if I, if you're LeBron James and it's like, and you're pushing 40 and you have to somehow like yeah, maintain matters. peak performance to survive an NBA season. Cause you're getting paid $60 million a year to do so. And you have a team of people who are there to take all this data and say, great LeBron. Uh, yeah. You only slept for 7.2 hours last night. I'm going to need you to take a nap, you know, whatever. But it's this reading that paragraph gave me anxiety, like the amount of stuff it's going to provide me. <laughs> well, you know I, what I mean? Like, I, I just, I, I'm like, I, 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 because I want to, because I, because I kind of like you, I want to know, but I also, I'm like, I, but how do I use it? Like, what do I do with it? You know what? It's just, it's incredible. Like, I, I get, I get where I get 
how you could be sitting in a room somewhere and being like, you know what we could do with AI is like have it read every possible (laughs) biometric output from a person and tell them all these things and then like sell them on some more stuff that will tell them about what all those, what that data means. And they could really go down some rabbit holes of like personal improvement and power. I, I get how you would be like, here's a product that we could sell. What I don't get is the people that want that <laughs> because it's, like, <laughs> well, I think like you're just bored. People are just so fucking bored. You it's know, the FAT people from, we just talked about in the last yeah, story. That's what I mean. It's like, you're just like, <laughs> yeah. what are you going to, you don't, people are just casting about, I need meaning. I need some kind of meaning. Like, I don't know what it is, but maybe it's being super fit. Maybe I'll find meaning in being insanely fit. You're not gonna, but I could, you know, like I get what I get the impulse, I guess. I think it, I really do think that that's what so much of this is, is like, I'm going to find meaning and, and perfection in this sort of stuff. And maybe I'll live forever. Like, I don't know. Uh, and out of outdoor retail news, we talked a little bit about some other stores that are closing. It was kind of big news this week. Dick's is going to close. Dick's Sporting Goods owns Moose Jaw, which is a long-term, uh, long-running outdoor retailer. And they're closing 11 of their 14 doors this week. The Moose Jaw had already been acquired once by Walmart before Dick's bought them just earlier this year. They said, after a careful review of our outdoor specialty business, we've decided to form one team that will support operations of Public Lands. Public Lands is the other specialty brand that Dix operates and Moose Jaw. Um, kind of like I mentioned, I think it was just last week, about uh, Midwest Mountaineering or two weeks ago, Midwest, Midwest Mountaineering. Um, I, this is just Moose Jaw is one of those stores. It was one of you. If you want to be a cool new brand and make it, you need to be in Moose Jaw. So this is definitely a blow. Um, it definitely continues the trend of dealers closing. Also, Dix announced this week that they're only going to hire 8,600 seasonal workers down from 9,000 in 2022. So definitely on the kind of business side of things where we're definitely that lull continues in the outdoor industry. Have you heard anything about this? I know it's not technically your world, but I don't know. I guess it just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't surprise me. Like I, I truthfully don't know what a big, what a big giant outdoor retailer offers you anymore. Right. Like I really don't like why, like I'm all, I, 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 I assume we'll start, we'll see REIs close pretty soon. Like, I mean, I go to an, an REI sometimes if I don't have time to like order something or whatever. Um, but there's always fewer and fewer people yeah. in there. Uh, I mean, there's lines, I guess sometimes, but it's rare, you know, like I'm sure they lose money on their, on their brick and mortar stores. Um, I mean, but uh, which to me though, is just completely different than like an independent store. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of person that will, you know, I guess I have enough expendable income. Like, I'd much rather pay, I'd pay like 30% more if there was like a little independent outdoor totally. store down the street than I would to go to REI. I mean, REI is great. I have no issues with REI, but it's just like, I, I mean, who, who loves big box stores? I don't really think anybody does. And like, I'm not, I know Moose Jaw's not. For all I know, they were little stores. I just like, why would you, I, I don't know. I just don't see the point. Like, they're also, sh- I mean, to a certain degree, these brands are, or these, these businesses are really shooting themselves in the foot by trying to keep up with the like return option thing. Um, there was a awesome, awesome article in the New Yorker a few, like maybe a month or so ago about the business of returns and, um, how there's so many companies now, maybe not so many, but a few companies that all they do is make money from, from returns. So like when you, when you send your return shipping in, there's, there's all of a sudden like a bunch of money to be scraped mm. off. Like they either handle the return shipping for the brand or they actually take their products and decide, okay, this is good. This is bad. And maybe they move it and sell it somewhere else. So like, there's a whole like side industry. It's like a billion dollar industry at this point of just handling free returns for people. And it's like, if you're Moose Jaw or whoever, and it's like, there's no penalty for buying online because you can just send it back for free. Like, 
what do you think is yeah. going to happen? You know, I mean, like unless you're giving people free coffee or what, a, a fucking zip line in, in your store, like I don't like why am I going there? You know, like it doesn't unless it, you know it doesn't make any sense. No, I think it is so, an interesting thing expect? about like you, you do have to create reasons for people to show up other than just to buy stuff because like, you can't just wait around anymore because it's too easy to get stuff. And you can t- it's an interesting thing too about Moose Jaw being owned by Dick's and formerly owned by Walmart. It's like, well, when when was the last time they were actually an independent? And then it's further complicated by the fact that Public Lands is the in-house specialty brand by Dick's. So they're choosing, yeah, Dick's, they're choosing right? yeah. that over Moose Jaw. That's going to blow up too. <laughs> like Dick's is going to be gone in five years. Maybe. I mean, but the other thing, funny thing is, and I, that, uh, I goes up next week, I, I talked to Tim Fish from Rab and I brought this up. It's like, I, the checks and balances used to be for these brands were not dicks, but for outdoor brands were was specialty retail. It had to perform there. It had to like, you know, you got the feedback from the dealers and it, that was kind of the core audience. Like what's performing, what's doing well. Well, now all these brands can sell D to C, you know, they have, they have big box options. Even the big box options have specialty options. It's like, what does it mean for the specialty dealer? And to your exact point though, it's like, what is the specialty dealer doing to get people to come in and support them? It's it's a really the, the landscape on this is gonna be really interesting over the next few years. So, I, th- I think I think if someone like Moose Jaw was smart, right? Like what I would do is I would only sell like open box stuff or return stuff mm-hmm. or something like that, and turn it into more like an outlet where it's like, oh, I can just r- like I I don't know what they have. Like I can't like I need to go in there to see it. Like I bought we bought a couple we bought our TV and our fridge at a Best yeah, Buy right, outlet. Yeah, you said. And, and you don't know what they have. You just got to go in there. And it's awesome, you know, and it's way cheaper. And it's all stuff that someone opened was like, oh, I don't like this color after all. And Best Buy's like, whatever, you know, right. and like, and they take it back. And so it's like, if, you know, the again, the only reason I would ever go into an REI at this point is if I'm like going camping tomorrow. I'm like, oh shit, I don't have any. I, I know X. exactly what I need. It's like, it's a grocery store, right? It's like, I know exactly what I need right. and I know it'll be there. So, it, but if there was an REI outlet and that's all it was, and it was like, we're not going to tell you what it is, but you might save 70% on something. I'd, I'd go in there all the time. Well, I'd go into a thrift store. I know REI is starting to have secondhand stores or at least secondhand stuff in their stores. And they should, I mean, this is what, you know, partnering with folks like gear trade have told us like it's, you know, their, their demographic is much younger probably than most other, you know, I would imagine who's shopping at Dick's, which is probably mostly like the soccer mom variety or soccer dads. And it's like, that's kind of the exactly what you're describing is the the best part about secondhand is like what that can that's impactful right now to manufacturing issues and everything else keeps things in rotation longer and the younger gen alpha gen z they all value that so yeah if anybody doesn't isn't starting to look, look at that as an option uh you're 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 behind already and actually that was the kind of the next point of this story specifically is outdoor gear exchange which is a specialty dealer based in Burlington Vermont they're opening a second door uh, in Essex, Vermont, and yeah. they have always been a mix of new consignment and used goods. So I thought, that, okay, that, here's some good news from the retail world of like here the Essex, they're they're moving to a second location. They're they're they are another one of those one of those doors where if you were starting a brand, you want a national distribution. It's like, well, you got to be at OGX. So yeah, I, it's going to be really interesting to track this, and it does have impact across the entire industry. So I, I think there is a path forward for. I think it's I think it's really hard for us to see out of our current sort of moment. And if you missed like if you really miss like bookstore or used bookstores, if you really miss like record stores, if you really miss like newsstands, right now you look around, you're like, oh, the world the world fucked up. All these awesome things are gone. But things shift and move and change, and things don't happen overnight. And so I do think there is a world, maybe a possible future for us in like a decade or so, 
to where like like towns have like maybe a, a secondhand yeah. outdoor store and maybe and like people are like okay you know what like books are books have been like t- taking off again and again and again they're opening another bookstore in, or a bookstore in town we don't have one the one's opening in about a week like that's happening more i can easily see that with newsstands again you know so like i do think that people go after a while are going to be like okay i love buying things online for certain reasons but like i haven't found a way to replicate like just going and browsing, which is a really humans like doing yep. that, like sifting through things and like, ooh, 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 this is shiny, <laughs> you know, whatever that ape sort of impulse is to like dig through bins of things, right? Like we, we, we're nothing's replacing that now. So that will possibly come back around, you know? So I do have hope for that kind of thing. I started buying records because I was at a coffee shop in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and there was kind of cool hipster coffee shop. And they had like, they had, you, they would, you could pick a record out and they would play it in the shop. But they had the the bins full of vinyl and just and and just flipping th- exactly what you're describing. What just flipping through it, which I hadn't done at this point. I don't know, it was the last time I flipped through vinyl, like 20 years before, probably when when I started doing this. It's so satisfying and fun. And then you also realize for a long time there was the you know uh, the the vinyl people, like the collectors, right? True record collectors. Yeah. I'm never going to be that person. But what I discovered is like, oh, but I have the bands that I like, and guess what? They're all putting out vinyl. Why isn't it fun to have physical medium, physical copies of the stuff that I like? So I, I'm like, I'm not a vinyl collector in like the traditional sense, but I've started buying vinyl because it's also nice to have the experience of like, I'm listening to this record and I'm not just creating a playlist on Apple music or Spotify or whatever. Right. Right. So, and I think you're absolutely right. I think this is the other thing we get into kind of the, and I'm, and I'm, I'm definitely part of the problem here as I bring up these stores closing every week here on the rock fight, but I say this about the movie industry. Everyone talks about the movie industry and it's like, well, theaters are going to close and streaming this. And number one, you know, after the pandemic, people are going back to movie theaters. Number two, Mm -hmm. there will always be some sort of theatrical experience. Maybe it'll be, you know, different than the big megaplex cineplex kind of thing that we've had for the last 20, 30 years. But going to a movie theater is always going to be in demand by some faction of the movie going public, probably a much larger faction than, than, than we realize. So I think you're absolutely right. I think, I think we're actually there. I think it's just the, like everything else, what's the transition. And right now, maybe the, maybe the specialty dealers that we're talking about closing, maybe they just weren't equipped to make the transition to this new world where you do have to find other ways to bring in people into the store. I don't know. I'm, I don't make, I don't mean to make a judgment on people. I don't know, but you know, we're, 10 years from now, some of these people are still going to be around because they did something right. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hope. I'm also 45 years old. I remember a world where you could, like, go into a musty used bookstore and spend an entire day. Right. You know, like, I, the young people might not care. So maybe maybe they'll die with us or already did die That's and they're fine. not going to come back. I don't we're know. We're going to die anyway, so. Yeah, yeah. It's, but again, it's fine. It is fine. It's totally fine. But like, I'm never going to shed a tear ever for, like, you know, uh, something like Moose Jaw. It's like, I don't, you sold to Walmart. Like, I, yeah. if, you, if you've been, t- you've been tainted by Walmart, like at this point, fuck off. Like, I, that's, I don't care. That's a good care. point. We could have had this Sorry. eulogy when that happened, frankly. Um, all right, man, we can wrap it up there. Everybody, please take Let's a wrap qu- it up. Yeah. Please take a quick second. Give the, uh, Rock Fight a five-star rating, subscribe or follow wherever you are listening to this. Send your feedback, comments, and questions, whatever to myrockfight at gmail.com. Last thing, any last, last chance, anything you want to plug? Yeah. What do you have going on in AJ this week? Anything happening? Uh, I, I'm, I'm currently, uh, writing a little piece on, uh, the weirdness, the, like the weirdest theories about the Tunguska, uh, event that like giant explosion in Siberia, 1908 that like flattened like 800 miles of trees. There's oh, lots wow. of weird theories bouncing around out there. So I'm working on that right now. That'll be fun. 
I have no idea what else is in the current issue or the new issue. I haven't looked at the uh, run sheet yet, but uh, that's what I'm working on this week. How'd you get hooked up with that? Is that just personal interest? <clears throat> Radio Lab heard a heard a uh, heard a. Um, in a good radio lab episode about one of the theories, which is that a tiny black hole hit the earth. And, uh, that kind of <laughs> sent me down a rabbit hole of other weird theories about it. Is this going to be the print magazine? Yeah. Cause I okay. do the national, the natural curiosities column in the print magazine. So this is my natural curiosities for this issue. Are you learning stuff? Are you going to, are you going to have to fly to Siberia? Are you going <laughs> to, well, no, I'll just, I have, I'll just take a, I'll just, you know, do some black hole research here at home. Nice. Um, yeah, no, I'm dude. I'm super good at research. I don't got to go there. I bet the I've been, the, I've I've, co- I've carefully cultivated a career of being able to write every article I I possibly can from the desk. I don't <laughs> want to go anywhere. Well, if you need help, the new Whoop AI could probably help you out. If you have any <laughs> I'm sure it could. <laughs> yeah, or just ChatGPT. Hey, was it what caused it? Was it a black hole? Cool. Thanks. Thanks. Done. It's one. It's one paragraph. All right. Well, the Rock Fight is a production of Rock Fight LLC for Justin Hausman. I'm Colin True. We'll be back next week with more ideas and aim for your head. And here to take us out, as always, Krista Makes from Less Than Jake with the Rock Fight fight song. We'll see you next time. Rock fight.